This episode is brought to you by Naturally Herbal Sea Moss. Sea Moss has been around for centuries, but I was just introduced to it this year and it has literally changed my life. If you are familiar with Dr. Sebi, then this is not new to you because he was a huge advocate for it as it contains 92 of the 102 minerals that our bodies need. But not just that, it removes mucus from the body, which is so important because mucus is the root cause for many diseases such as cancer, diabetes, cold, and flu. Some other amazing benefits are, it helps with thyroid function, boosts your immune system, your energy, and your mood, is great for muscle recovery, joints, and bone health, and the best part about it, it is wonderful for clearer skin, hair growth, and your sex life. What else do you need? For all of your CMOS needs, contact Naturally Herbal on Instagram at naturally underscore herbal. Welcome back to another episode of Couch Detectives. I'm your host, LB, that's me, and you already know what I'm about to say. It's not new. Thank you for being here. We are 12 episodes in and you are still tuning in. I am grateful. If this is your first time tuning in, Welcome to the family. I hope you enjoy this episode and it will encourage you to stick around and subscribe on whatever platform you are listening on. You can also follow Couch Detectives Podcast for visuals and updates on Instagram at Couch Detectives Podcast. Now let's jump right into it. This is actually the last episode of the year and we started this from my backyard. So I said to myself, hey, I am home for the holidays, so let me give y'all another story from my backyard. This case was extremely popular when it first happened, and a few networks actually got a hold to it, and I want to bring it to you here on Couch Detectives. The last time I went to the great state of North Carolina, I was in my hometown's backyard, Winston-Salem. This week, I am going to take a trip down 40 East to stop in Greensboro for a second, then move on down a little more. Durham, North Carolina, this week, I am in your backyard as I bring you this case that shook the 919 when it happened. This is the case of Danita Smith. In 2007, we have 25-year-old Danita Smith. Danita was born on November 20th, 1981 in Charlotte, North Carolina to Calvin and Sharon Smith. She had one brother, Jonathan Smith, and a sister, Jaleesa Smith. Her mother described her as special. She said that she could see things that the average person couldn't see, and this is what made her great at what she did. 
She said she used to carry around a camera because she wanted to be a photographer. It was her way to express herself and she was really good at photography. Her mom says she was such a bright light in their lives and in the lives of so many other people. Her friends described her as an ambitious person who always knew what she wanted and she would make sure that she got the things she wanted too. My kind of girl. Danita attended West Charlotte High School and graduated in 2000. Upon graduating, she made the decision to attend North Carolina Central University in Durham, North Carolina. Look at there. We have another HBCU on this episode. While at Central, she was very active. She was an Eagle Scholar, a member of Sigma Tau Delta International English Honor Society, a saxophonist with the Sound Machine Marching Band, and a member of the Worship and Praise Inspirational Mass Choir. She was also a reporter and staff photographer for the Campus Echo, which is the campus newspaper, and she earned a fellowship at the New York Times Student Journalism Institute. She was one of only two people from North Carolina Central to ever earn that fellowship. She graduated from North Carolina Central in 2004 with a bachelor's degree in English. But she didn't stop there. She stayed at North Carolina Central University and decided to pursue her graduate degree in English. While doing that, she continued to write stories and take pictures for North Carolina Central student newspaper. She mentored undergraduate students in writing. She became a member of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated. And while pursuing her master's, her thesis focus was on the expression of Black identity in the work of Richard Wright and Tupac Shakur. Listen, she was doing it. A serious force to be reckoned with. But not only that, not only was she amazing and achieving all of those things in her professional life, but she also had just got an upgrade in her personal life. She had been dating a guy named Jameer Stroud and Jameer had just put a ring on it. Jameer also attended North Carolina Central University, which is where they met in 2000. He had a lot going for himself as well. He was a businessman, a member of Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated. And when he left Central, he became a police officer down in Greensboro. And she was so excited to be engaged to him. Greensboro is about a 45 minute to an hour drive from Durham. So they had somewhat of a long distance relationship, but not really because they saw each other frequently. Danita's friends and family adored Jameer and everyone in their circle and some onlookers described them as that couple. They had everything going for themselves. And on top of that, they looked good while doing it. Danita had everything she could dream of. She was helpful on campus and a leader in the community. She was working on her master's with the intentions of completing her doctorate and in the process of planning a wedding. Unfortunately, that was a degree in an altar that she would never see. On January 4th, 
2007, Danita set out to start her busy day with the goal of checking everything off of her to-do list. She got up, got dressed, and headed out the door. She didn't even get the chance to make it down the steps of her apartment complex by foot. At about 8.19 on the morning of January 4th, a call comes in to Durham Police Department. Yeah, I'm 911. Where is your emergency? Hey, cameras crossing the apartments. We hear gunshots coming from uh, somewhere around here. The maintenance man said that he heard gunshots. He actually drove over closer to see what he heard. And he saw a young lady hurrying away because she had apparently heard them as well. The maintenance man says she seemed to be extremely distraught as she left the area. I would be distraught as well. I do not do gunshots. He said she got in her car and drove away. I would have too, sis. <laughs> After his call to the police, they showed up but they didn't see anything, so they left. Now, I wouldn't say this is very uncommon, especially not now. Unfortunately, there are often gunshots in several areas of Durham, and many people don't pay it any mind, although they should. So the police leaves the area without making a report. About an hour and a half later, at around 10 a.m., another call comes into the police. In this call, you hear the caller saying that there's a woman laid out at the bottom of the steps. It looks like she fell down and she was unconscious, but maybe someone pushed her down. You also hear the caller identify her as Danita Monique Smith. From his perspective, it just looks as if she has collapsed at the bottom of the stairs. The police arrive at the scene to investigate, and Danita's family is also informed. They called her mom, who lived in Charlotte at the time, which is about a three-hour drive from where she was. When they called, they informed her that Danita fell and was unconscious. Her mom immediately got in the car to make the drive to Durham from Charlotte. But on the way, she called Danita's fiancé, Jameer, because he was closer and he would have gotten there faster. She told him about Danita falling and that he needed to get there. He said okay and headed down to Durham from Greensboro. As he's driving, Danita's best friend calls him to touch base after she's also notified of Danita's falling. And she said that he didn't seem to know what was going on, but he was trying to ensure her that everything was going to be okay. So now, Jameer is on his way to Durham. Danita's mom is on her way, and her best friend is also headed over to the scene. They're all thinking that she just fell and is currently unconscious, but they're trying to revive her, and she's going to be okay. Unfortunately for them... She was not going to be okay. While investigating the scene, officers thought that it was just a fall. But it turned out to be so much more. 
They are looking at Danita's body and they see blood coming from her head. But a fall from the top of the steps would do that. This blood, however, was not from a fall. Upon further investigation, they realize the blood coming from her head was because of a gunshot wound. Danita had been shot one time in the back of her head at almost point blank range before falling down from the stairs to her death. But why? Who would want to do this to her? Was it a robbery? Was it random? What happened? The police quickly determined it was not a robbery as all of her belongings were still at the scene. Her purse just beside her with everything in it. They didn't know what happened or who did it, but they were going to find out. Out of her loved ones, Danita's best friend is the first to arrive on the scene as she was the closest. When she gets there, she sees that some of the professors from Central are there and thought it was nice of them to come and show support. But the news they gave her changed her life forever. They informed her that Danita was dead. She was in complete shock as she thought her best friend would be okay from this fall. The next person to arrive was her fiancé, and he was given the news. He, too, was in complete shock, but he had a different way of showing it. He was just blank, mostly calm. It was hard to really tell what was going through his head, but he was the person trying to console her best friend. Next up, Danita's mom. She finally arrived to the scene from Charlotte, and it was time to tell her that her oldest daughter had been murdered. This news broke her mom down. It made absolutely no sense to her or anyone else. Danita literally had no enemies and every person in her life talked about how loved, loyal, and honest she was. But there was someone in her life who was not being honest. By the time the police were done processing the scene, Jameer Stroud, Danita's fiance, was already on his way back to Greensboro because he had to report to work. They did ask him of his whereabouts that morning, and he said that he was at home in bed because he had a long shift the night before, and he needed to be back at work that next morning. It was determined that he was being truthful, so for the time being, they let him go. However, there was an area of his life that he was not being truthful in. At the time of Danita's death, they were engaged and had been dating for several years. But during this time, unbeknownst to Danita, Jameer had been unfaithful. In 2004, while dating Danita, Jameer had met a young lady named Shannon Crawley. Shannon Crawley and Jameer had a few things in common. One of those things where they both lived in Greensboro. 
Another thing was they both kind of worked in law enforcement. He was a police officer and she was a dispatcher for Guilford Metro 911 in Greensboro. She was a single mom of two kids and was working hard to take care of them. When they met, they were just friendly at first, but that quickly turned into much more while he's dating Danita. Both Jameer and Shannon lived in Greensboro, so it was easier for them to see each other more frequently. They were in the same field, so they could relate to each other on a professional level. The more time they spent together, the more she fell in love with him. So much so that she became what seemed like a major part of his life, helping him paint his house, helping him move furniture in, allegedly meeting his parents, joining his church, buying a house in the same neighborhood as him, and even getting pregnant by him while he's dating Danita. Now, although she did get pregnant, she did not go through with having the baby. There are conflicting stories of how it came about, but she ended up getting an abortion. And soon after, her and Jameer were pretty much done. This was two years later, in 2006. Through all of this, he's still dating Danita, who has no idea about his life with Shannon in Greensboro. But Shannon knew about Danita. As Shannon and Jameer's relationship came to an end in early 2006, I guess he decided this was a time to get really serious about Danita. Or to get more serious with Danita. He never told her about Shannon, but he did ask her to marry him. And of course, she said yes. He was the man of her dreams, and she was proud to tell the world about it. She flaunted her engagement to every single person that she came across. Around the end of 2006, during holiday break at the university, Jameer took Danita to church with him wearing her diamond engagement ring. And allegedly, Shannon was there and she saw this. This did not make her happy. She called Jameer yelling at him and cursing him out because he had proposed to his girlfriend and then had the nerve to bring her to the church that him and Shannon once attended together. It was just a hot mess. It was the holiday break for universities during this time, so Danita spent some more time in Greensboro with Jameer. They celebrated Christmas together, then brought in the new year as a loving, engaged couple. Things were grand. Right after the new year, Danita headed back to Durham a little earlier than most students so that she could get an early start on her load for the semester. And this is when she fell victim to someone who lay in wait for her at her own apartment complex. But who? Well, in the beginning, I told you that the maintenance man initially made the phone call that he heard gunshots and he called the police. But when they didn't find anything, they left the scene. But remember, he also said that he saw a young lady hurrying away from the scene looking distraught. 
he told the police that she got in her burgundy SUV and drove off. Well, guess who drives a burgundy SUV? Shannon Crawley. Shannon was at the scene of Danita's murder, but she managed to get away before anyone else noticed her. Thank God for this maintenance man, because this is the tip that would lead this investigation directly where police needed it to be. After looking into this tip and learning that Shannon was allegedly at the scene of the crime, of course they wanted to talk to her. So they made their way to Greensboro to speak with her at her job. She admitted that she heard what happened, but did not ever go into Durham. She says she drove through Durham a few times, but she's never stopped there. She also denied knowing Danita or where she lived. She did say that she was off of work that morning because she had to take one of her kids to the doctor. And they confirmed with her supervisor that that's where she said she'd be. And then she would come into work later. Because of protocol, they had to ask her if she owned the gun. And she told them flat out, no, she hated guns. At that moment, they had no reason to suspect her. So they left and continued with their investigation. Continued investigation revealed the relationship that Shannon and Jameer had. And more investigation led to a search warrant for Sharon's burgundy SUV. And in it, they found gunpowder residue on the steering wheel. But she said she didn't have a gun. She hated them. They also ended up placing Shannon's phone pinging off towers near the crime scene at the time of the murder. So she was there. She was in Durham. On January 9th, 2007, five days after Danita's death, police arrest Shannon Crawley, Jameer's ex-lover, for first-degree murder. But y'all, this is literally just the beginning. When she was arrested, she went calmly and quietly and simply stated, I didn't do it. In her mugshot, she's smiling. After learning that Shannon was arrested and who she was, Danita's family was devastated. On one end, they are happy that someone has been arrested. But on the other end, they couldn't believe that Jameer had betrayed Danita. They had Danita's service on the campus of North Carolina Central University, and the love literally permeated through the building. The newsroom where she worked so diligently was named in her honor. While preparing the case against Shannon Crawley, Pandora's box was busted wide open. Shannon Crawley insisted that she did not do this. And she was being set up. She was released on a $175,000 bail in May of 2007. But after her release, four months after she was arrested, she was ready to spill it all. She claims 
that Jameer Stroud, Danita's fiance, was the one responsible for her death. And he was setting her up to take the fall. He could do that because he was a police officer. She said that he was stalking her, threatening her, calling consistently to her job and harassing her to be with him. But she wanted nothing to do with him. She said she purchased a gun to protect herself against him, but only kept it for like a day. She claimed that he was mad that she had an abortion because he wanted her to have his child. Said he even proposed to her and she turned him down. She also said that he threatened to kill himself if she didn't come back to him. She said he would show up at the dispatch center, stand in the hall and just stare at her. But what was most shocking is what she said about Danita's murder. She claims that on the day before, Jameer made her ride to Danita's house in Durham with him just to see where she stayed and stake out the place. She says she didn't want to go, but he threatened her and her kid's life and she did it for her kids. The next day, the day of the murder, she said Jameer forced her into her own car at gunpoint and made her drive to Durham. When they arrived at Danita's apartment, Jameer got out of the car, she heard him arguing with the woman, and she got out to see what was happening. Then she heard a gunshot, and Jameer ran back to the car and jumped in the driver's seat. When she tried to get back in the car, she wanted to go in the back seat, but it was locked. So he slid in the back seat and told her to get in the driver's seat and drive off. But the maintenance man didn't report seeing a man, just her. She said it was because he was hiding in the back. A lot to take in, right? Well, there's more. She told investigators that she could prove that Jameer was the one who did it. He had been calling her nonstop and harassing her since the murder. And she was going to get him to confess on the phone. So she bought her own tape recorder and began recording conversations with him. And he ended up confessing on one of the audio tapes. I spent four months in jail because of you. Because you lied. Jameer, just tell the truth, please. Don't do this to me. I'm sure you can. Someone like you, I'm sure. And what about me? I didn't do anything here. You know, God is all-seeing and all-knowing. Remember that. How many times did I pray with you? You remember that. Yes. Bye. She had her family convinced that this was Jameer. She said her mom was even on the line sometimes and you could hear him getting upset. In some of the audio, he's not very clear. And she asked him at one point, why are you whispering? Allegedly, Jameer confesses saying, I got away with murder before and I'll do it again. If they found out I shot her, I'll get life and you've got a better shot than I do. This is all coming from Shannon's own audio tape, a police officer confessing 
over the phone. And not just that, y'all. Not only did she have this on tape of him confessing to killing Danita, a year and a half after Danita was murdered, she said that while she was staying with family in Charlotte, Jameer came down from Greensboro and raped her with a knife. But when she got to the hospital, she didn't want them to examine her. So according to her, not only is she not responsible for Danita's death, but she too was a victim of Jameer Stroud. What does Jameer have to say about all of this? He says it was all a lie. Shen was the one that was obsessed with him, stalking him, moving in his neighborhood, and jealous that he had proposed to his girlfriend. He said that he never asked Shannon to marry him, and he never attempted suicide, and he never wanted to have a baby with her. A lot of this is really just a matter of he said, she said, and none of it got the charges against Shannon dropped or charges brought against Jameer. At trial, the prosecution will reveal the evidence that they could to truly bring the truth and justice to Danita and her family. On February 10th, 2010, the trial began and the prosecution was ready to let the jury know that Shannon was a jealous ex-lover who killed Danita in cold blood and tried to frame her police officer fiancé for it. They showed how Shannon's, not Jameer's phone, placed her at the crime scene. She initially lied about having a gun, they found out not only did she recently purchase a gun from her co-worker, but the exact same kind of gun was used in Danita's murder. The maintenance man testified that he did not see Jameer leaving the crime scene, only Shannon. The tapes Shannon had, where she claimed it was Jameer confessing, were quickly debunked, even though she stood by them. The prosecution said that that was not his voice on those tapes. The voice was too high. They heard Jameer testify. His voice was much deeper than that. And why on earth would an officer of the law confess to a crime on the phone? Also, the rape with the knife, prosecution said, didn't happen. It couldn't have. A former sexual assault detective testified that Jameer had an alibi on the day that she alleges he raped her. A police academy instructor said that the cell phone records proved that Jameer was in Greensboro until after 2 a.m. on June 20th, 2008, the day that she alleged that he raped her, and then again at 6.32 that morning. And she had claimed that he held her at knife point from 2.30 a.m. until 5.30 a.m. that day, which means he would have had to drive at least 120 miles per hour to cover 100 miles from Crawley's sister's home or her family's home in Charlotte to his own home in Greensboro between 5.30 and 6. The lead investigator said that was impossible. He said that Jameer never went to Charlotte on that day. There's absolutely no proof 
and his alibi was strong. Even more, she said that he penetrated her with a knife and there were no lacerations found. And two of Jameer's neighbors testified that they had seen someone drive up to his trash can days before he found the knife and then he reported it to the police department. So she had someone try to plant this knife in his trash can. So according to the prosecution and all of their evidence, everything Shannon said was a flat out lie in her attempt to frame Jameer for the murder of Danita so that she wouldn't have to answer to it. Shannon's lawyers claimed that Jameer was the one trying to set Shannon up. And because he was a police officer, he had the means to do it, regardless of the evidence that proved Shannon was the one responsible for Danita's death. They said it was Jameer. They blamed everything on him. Well, it was now up to a jury to determine Shannon's fate. They deliberated for about seven hours before coming back with the verdict. While deliberating, they wanted to hear those tapes again, and the defense tried to get a mistrial because they asked for the tapes again. It didn't happen. On February 22nd, 2010, they found Shannon Crawley guilty of the first-degree murder of Danita Smith. When the jury came back with the guilty verdict, the judge immediately sentenced Shannon to life in prison without the possibility of parole. She had a stone-cold face during the reading of the verdict and her sentencing. I personally think that she's a psychopath. She maintains her innocence, and to this day, she swears Jameer is the one who did it and says that he got away with murder. She appealed her conviction, and it was denied. She's going to spend the rest of her life in prison, and that brings a little solace to Danita's family. Although Jameer was investigated and there was no evidence pointing at him, he didn't commit this crime or conspire with Shannon but he is guilty of bringing this woman in his life who would ultimately take the life of the woman he's going to marry. And that's something that he has to live with. Danita was literally a shining star. She had everything going for herself and everyone loved her. Her death left a huge void in the lives of so many people. But the memories and her legacy will live forever. So today, let's remember Danita Monique Smith for the loving, ambitious star that she was. Let's also remember that we are off for the holidays. There will not be an episode next week. So take that time to revisit some old episodes and interact with me on social media. There will be a holiday giveaway so if you aren't already, be sure to follow Couch Detectives Podcast on Instagram so you won't miss out. Until next year, Couch Detectives, keep an eye out on your backyard.